Hey, how's it going, John? It is wonderful. It's a, it's a happy Friday here in Cleveland, Ohio. I closed seven loans today. Wow. So I am like, it was a very stressful last 48 hours for me, but I'm finally de-stressing, so... So great news over here in Cleveland. That's awesome. Monday morning is a party day then when all those all those checks clear. <laughs> and, ho- and hope nobody refinances in the next six months. <laughs> that would be a disaster. That's right. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, Sabbatarianism. This is a topic that you brought up uh, that you wanted to talk about last week. So I definitely want to be clear on that because... This is something that I'm very passionate about, but I did not pick this topic. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I picked it because I knew about your passion, so I thought yeah. it'd be interesting to talk about. Awesome. Well, your pick, and uh, so I would say your lead. Uh, do you want to pray real quick before we talk about this kind of a topic? Sure, let's do it. All right, go for it, buddy. God, thank you so much for uh, giving Michael and I the opportunity today to talk about you, to talk about what your word says. Please bless this time and bless those that listen in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. So lead us off, man. Uh, what does Sabbatarian mean to you? And, and, you know, just kind of take it away. Sure. So I think, um, I think kind of the classic understanding or definition of Sabbatarianism would be um, people that today still honor or observe the Sabbath in some way. The 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 and, and, and by Sabbath we mean we're talking about uh, the day of rest that Israel in the Old Testament used to set aside to make separate to make holy to worship God. Right. Um, and there are many different types of Sabbatarians, I believe, that that hold to certain uh, you know certain views of this strongly or loosely. Um, there are. Um, there are even uh, Sunday Sabbatarians. This is something that, that sort of exists. This would be people that no, no longer worship on Saturday. They worship on Sunday, but they view Sunday as having all of the same sorts of qualities and characteristics that the Old Testament Sabbath had. So they've moved their Sabbath to the first day of the week, but they still celebrate it. Um, compared to people... Um, you know, within the Christian faith that no longer believe that we are uh, supposed to honor the Sabbath day and they worship God on Sunday instead of Saturday. Um, And it is not, they would say that it's not a Sabbath day, it is the Lord's day and there would be a distinction between those two. So um, is that that fair to say? Do you think I've summarized the Sabbatarian position decently? What would you think is, is necessary to add? Yeah, so I I think that your definition of what what that looks like is extremely 100% accurate for what the world uh, as a whole looks at. And there's many different many different ways and and things uh, of people the way that they take that and that and that's what they they think and and certainly being um you know, of the belief that I am, I've, I've heard all of that, you know, when I bring it up or talk about it, it, you know, those, those, I've heard each one of those, um, thoughts. Gotcha. So when somebody asks you, Michael, um, you are a Sabbatarian. What does that mean to you? What does that mean that you do? And why are you a Sabbatarian? Yeah. How do you respond to that? Yeah. So, uh, my initial thought uh, would be I'm not a Sabbatarian because that would be uh, just classifying me based on a day that I would keep. 
And I, so my initial thing would be to reject that label and say, I'm not, ai don't put the Sabbath over any one other commandment. And so that's like telling you, well, you're a truth teller, you know, because like you don't lie. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how I, I view that. Uh, if someone asked me and, and I think actually when you brought this topic up, you said, let's talk about Sabbatarianism. And I was like, what, what is that kind of like, just, it, it was just, it was not something that I, uh, associate with though. I keep the Sabbath to the best of my ability. It's not something that I would say I would accept that label. Sure. So, um, I worship God on Sundays, mm-hmm. um, corporately. I think we should all worship God every day with our lives, but I corporately yeah. with a local body of believers on Sundays to worship at my church, and you corporately meet with a body of believers on Saturdays to worship God, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, talk me through why you and your church have made that um, decision. Sure. Um, and I certainly want to be clear. Uh, I don't ever want to... Um, be rude. Uh, I am passionate. And so that was going to come across. Um, but I don't want to ever offend anybody on a personal belief. So something that I say, um, if it's not in, in scripture, please don't take that as being critical. It's, uh, certainly just a point of view that I have on, on, uh, something. So, uh, you know, you ask, you ask why, um, why I keep that. So let me actually just start by reading. Uh, this is actually my favorite passage in the Bible. Um, it's Psalms one, one says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You probably memorized this. You probably know this by heart and, and know it's my favorite. I, I still love reading it. Nor standeth in the, in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and his, and in, in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaves shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sitters in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Um, when you get down to the core of what I believe, if you take away the Sabbath, that entire passage becomes null and void because in my opinion, because his, if, if you're supposed to be meditating on the law of the Lord and you're doing that day and night, then if, if the 10 commandments are not binding, if they're not something that we're supposed to keep, then what are you supposed to meditate on? And certainly there's what I'd like to you know show is that there is a difference between Moses's law, the handwriting that was in the side of the ark versus the Ten Commandments, which God wrote with his own finger that goes inside the ark. And so that would be that would be what I would be trying to present today is a point of view that that points to a difference and that there are Sabbaths mentioned in the Bible, multiple that do not mean the Sabbath. Okay, so let's look back at uh, at creation, right? Um, if you read um, what what it looks like in Genesis, um, let's just let's just turn turn there so we can read exactly what what that looks like. Um, 
And let's see here. I don't have... Uh... So you're thinking about um, the, the Sabbath, the, the, the pattern that God has given to us in creation where on the first six days he created, and then on the seventh day, Genesis 2, 1, uh, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day God ended his work, which yeah. he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Thank you so much. So that's that's exactly what the verse I was looking for. So yes, it says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, and he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. So um, sanctification, in my uh, understanding, is that it's something that is set apart for holy use. Sure. Okay? So before sin entered into the world, God made the day... And set it apart for holy use. Meaning before there could have been the sacrifices and all of that and and the festivals, he set a day to rest and made it. And then he said it was all good, right? There was nothing that was good. Um, So going back to your monologue initially, um, my argument would be uh, simple too of it's not my Sabbath. It's not your Sabbath. We can't change anything about it because we didn't do anything to it. To make it holy. God is something, is the only thing that can, God is the only being that can make something holy. It's nothing that I do. And if you just look at the actual commandment, um, it's it says keep. It says remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay? So let me, let me throw this at you. The word keep means something that is already going. Like if, if we were at a campfire and I was like, hey, I'm going to run to the store um, make sure you keep the fire going. You wouldn't anticipate in your mind thinking you've got to go get the wood and the starters and the oil and or the gas and and light it and start it right. Like you would, if I told you, make sure you keep the fire burning, or make sure you keep the fire. Whatever the case is, your initial thought is not that you have to do something to it. It's already done. Your job is to just keep it up and running, right? So, so those would be my initial, um, my initial thoughts. Again, this is a give and take. Um, and you said that you had some thoughts on, uh, you know, Sundays and, and just different, different things. So, so what do you, what are you seeing? Yeah. So, so you're raising a lot of, um, we're covering a lot of ground here that I think it would be helpful for us and for the listener to try to, 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 to separate to, to try to separate some of the arguments for simplicity. Sure. Now, what I want to be careful of is when 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 believers um, read scripture and they interpret scripture, and then we 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 go set out to present a position, right? To present an argument. Oftentimes, what we are doing is we are trying to zoom out and take the entirety of scripture. And see what the entirety of Scripture says about this, right? And we 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 do not set out to here's one phrase from one verse that proves our position, right? If we ever set out to do that, that would be that that would be foolish, right? However, um, so, so 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 I say that to say to 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 mean this: you have talked about three or four different things, and that's good. 
right? Because you're not presenting an argument for uh, worship on the, on the Sabbath that's based off of one phrase of one verse. You've taken us to Psalm, you're going to Genesis, where we're looking at um, the actual writing of the Ten Commandments, right? They're going all throughout much of the Old Testament right here. So, yeah. So what I'm about to do is I'm about to drill down on certain things. Okay. Not because, um, you know, not because uh, you're trying to make your entire argument on that certain thing, but just to break it up for simplicity. Sure. Right? So if you walk into a house and you ask somebody, what do you, did you like the house? They're going to say yes. And then they say, okay, what specifically did you like about the house? And then you start talking about the master bedroom and the kitchen and the bathroom and the basement. So you, you break those things down to, for more understanding, but we remind ourselves that, you know, the, the things we're about to talk about, I'm not trying to make an entire argument off of one of these things. You're not trying to make an entire argument off of one of these things. We're just breaking it down for simplicity. Sure. Right? So there's, I think, right offhand, there's, there's three different um, questions that need to be answered. Number one would be, um, in creation, did God's pattern of creation, does God's pattern of creation, was it intended to dictate or mandate how we as uh, humans are supposed to act for the rest of eternity, right? That's one aspect of this. A second aspect would be, how do people living in New Testament times, right, as you and I are, we, we live after Christ, Okay. Christ come back, he has died for us, he has risen from death, from from the dead. We have a different understanding of who Christ is than people that live in the Old Testament, right? So how does the law apply to us today? Okay. Second question. And then there's a third like question that's like a subset of that question, which is after how does how does the law apply to us today? Like a subset of that question is is the Mosaic law different from the Ten Commandments, different from ceremonial law, different from civil law in Israel, right? Sure. So what are kind of like the, like the three specific things that we have mentioned? Um, so uh, I think, I think uh, a good place to start would be, okay, you and I are New Testament believers. How do we allow Old Testament law to dictate what we do today? So, oh, okay. So, uh, definitely a, uh, a hard topic in my opinion. Like I, I have a pretty strong opinion on that, that, um, overview again, zooming out. I don't believe we're going to get to heaven a different way than the, than the old Testament people. They had faith of a coming Christ. We had faith of a, of a came Christ, if you will. Agreed. They had certain uh, festivals. They had certain uh, ceremonies that they had to do. That was the that was the things that Christ took away in in His coming. That we see by Him renting the the temple uh, and and ending that sort of sacrificial system. So I feel like that is a as a as a difference. Um, you'll also read from Paul's writing that he he mentions that the handwriting against you. Um, I actually was going to type out these notes so that I could quickly find them, but just don't trust that I'm telling you the right thing. If you're listening, look it up. Paul says um, about the handwriting that is against you. Well, nowhere is it is it mentioned in the Bible about the the 
Ten Commandments being um, written with the hand. It was always with the finger. Okay, um, let's look at uh, some some broad things that that I would say don't pass away. Um, when God wrote with His finger in Daniel on the wall, mean mean you know that was in stone. It happened. God says, "Don't think that I've come to destroy the the uh, law." And the prophets, I've came to fulfill them. He wrote in with the tablets with his finger. So that was in stone. The only, the third thing that we see that Christ wrote was in the sand with the, um, the prostitute, you know, Mary, you know, she, she got, you know, stuck and, and he was writing in the sand of, you know, those people's sins. That was in sand because it was most likely like their sins. And that was able to, to brush away, but nothing that was written with the finger of God is able to be done away with when he does it in stone it's it's there the thing also to think that think about of why they're different he did it okay so he gave he gave it verbally right from mount sinai his law he gave it to moses on a tablet that that moses broke he didn't say hey you remember it from when i told you before I'll let you write it. No, he said, I'm going to write it again a second time. He didn't trust man to write his law. And then, so that's why there's a difference, in my opinion, on top of the, it was kept in a separate place. And it is a lot of the ordinance. I mean, when you look at what it is, you've got a bunch of slaves that don't know how to live. And so he's telling them, this is the right way to live. We're going to do this in this book, this manual, but it's not God's law. And, and some of the things that we'll tie together is um, you see that in James it says if, if you break one of the commandments and, and teach men to do so, you know, you're going to be called the least in heaven. It doesn't mean you're going to be the lowest in heaven. It means you're not going to be there and it, you're not talked about well. If you break the least of these, you've broken all of them. So you, you ha- there has to be a difference in um, the handwriting that Moses did, and then the law of God that is universal. And and let's also look at, it's the only law that that most people are going to have a disagreement in, right? Like, like, I could go to most Christians and say, do you think that it's right to steal or to lie? And they're going to say, no, I don't think that's right. Well, where do you get that from? Well, you get that from the, the commandments. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, so, so just to clarify... Um you believe, I just want to make sure that I'm representing your, your, sure. your, your side correctly. So you believe that the Ten Commandments is different and separate from the rest of the Mosaic Law. Correct. And the Ten Commandments, from its inception, was intended to be a moral code for forever, compared to other parts of the Mosaic Law, which I'm actually asking do you believe that other parts of the Mosaic Law have been fulfilled and are no longer necessary for us to keep um, you know, as New Testament believers? Yeah, and, and that's where you're going to get in the weeds with people that are like, well, this is supposed to be a sign forever by keeping the, the you know, Rosh Hashanah ceremony. Like, and, and that's they'll say that is a sign forever and then compare that to the same verse that says that the Sabbath is is a sign forever. And that's that's why it, it is a difficult position um, to, to talk with an intellect about certain things that because the Bible says you need to rightly divide the word of truth. So that means there's a wrong way to divide it in a right way. If, if it says that we're supposed to rightly. So, yes, I would agree that the festivals were not supposed to necessarily keep 
in order to keep our faith. But the fact that the Sabbath was done before sin entered, but the fact that before uh, the Sabbath was given to even the Israelites, right? Like they were supposed to collect the manna six days. And if they did it more, then it would stink. Like, so God was, was telling them from the whole time. If you look back, uh, Moses was getting in trouble from Pharaoh because he's like, you make the people rest. Like, so he was trying to, when they were slaves, saying, no, you need to, to keep uh, the Sabbath. And, and Pharaoh was mad. He's like, no, they're going to work seven days a week and harder because you're making them rest. Sure. Okay, so um, to summarize, let me try to summarize what you're saying, and then I'll get to what, what I believe. I'll, I'll, I'll take you off the hot seat. Right? Thanks, thanks. <laughs> I, just want to, I just want to try to make sure that I'm understanding your position before I, before I start to get mine. Perfect. Um, just, you know, for clarity. So um, you would argue, first and foremost, that the Ten Commandments is fundamentally different from much of the rest of the Mosaic Law. In that, you know, it also says in the Mosaic Law that you can't wear clothing that has multiple fabrics in it. Right, right. right. Um, you're not allowed to shave the corners of your beard. Right. And you'd say, hey, John, look at me. I'm cleanly shaven. I'm wearing a, a, a blended fabric shirt. Yeah. I understand that much of the Old Testament law has been fulfilled. It is no longer relevant for us as New Testament believers. What I'm arguing is that... Um, the Ten Commandments is fundamentally separate, special, higher than whatever term you want to use, than the rest of the Mosaic Law. Absolutely. came to die and fulfill the Mosaic Law, he fulfilled the Mosaic Law, not the Ten Commandments. No. No, I don't believe that he only fulfilled one and not the other. Because I believe that you have to live a, a perfect life in order to be a perfect sacrifice. So when the Jews were saying that Christ broke the Sabbath because he healed, and they they were the ones who said that he broke. He didn't break. If he did, we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't believe he broke any, either of the laws that, he, that Moses gave or that he gave. But I do believe he probably didn't keep, right? Because it says, for the traditions of men, you forsake, you know, the commandments of God. So there were laws that, you know, if, if you spit on, on the ground on Sabbath, you, you're breaking their law because you're causing the grass to grow. You're irrigating. Like, so if he, if he did that, that's a man law, though. That's not a God law. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. okay so, and then um, you, you, look, you go back to Genesis almost as a, and here's, here's support for that position. This is pre-fall. This is foundational. Before law existed, before man, well, before man was more than one day old. Right. The Sabbath was was implemented by God to be separate and holy. And that is a summary of your position. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Some some cool stuff. So I'll just first of all share a couple places that we disagree. Okay. Um. So I do not see the same distinction that you see when we look at Old Testament law. And what I think has happened is a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers, when they teach through the Old Testament law, what they like to do is they like to separate it into categories for simplicity of teaching, right? So they would say, hey, here's the Old Testament moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. Sure. 
And then they would say, here's the Old Testament civil law, which is, uh, these are the laws that the Israelites had to keep as part of like being a nation state, being a nation state of Israel. Yeah. And here are the Old Testament ceremonial laws. These are the laws that specifically dealt with um, purity and cleanliness of worship, right? Sure. Because a lot of times teachers will do is they say, hey, we have the moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil law. Um, and they do that to help us understand there's three types of laws. But I would say that for an Old Testament Israelite, um, while they might look at these laws and see like a, a difference in type, they wouldn't see, they would see no difference in authority um, in, or they, there would be no difference to an Old Testament Israelite in severity in terms of disobedience. So I believe an Old Testament Israelite, if he disobeyed the third commandment, that was bad. Mm-hmm. Also, an Old Testament Israelite, if he disobeyed one of the ceremonial laws or one of the civil laws, if he shaved the corners of his beard so that he looked like the Philistine priests that were sacrificing children to Molech, that those would both be sins that we need to be atoned for through a sacrifice. Okay. So I believe when when Jesus comes to fulfill the law, I believe that what he did was he fulfilled the entire Mosaic law, and when I use that term, I mean the moral law, which includes the Ten Commandments, also the civil law, also the ceremonial law. Yeah. And what did he do? He gave us a new law, which we call the law of Christ, which call, which Paul calls the law of Christ in the New Testament. And what we see in the New Testament is that there is a lot of overlap between the New Testament law of Christ and the Old Testament Mosaic law. Why? Because God is good, and God's morality never changes, right? So if lying is bad in the Old Testament, it is still bad for us today, right? Right? Yeah. And so, and so I, it, what you wind up seeing is, though, and this is an important distinction that I would make, um, I used to live in South Carolina, I now live in Ohio, I grew up in Indiana, right? If I drive... From Ohio to South Carolina, I will drive through different states. And different states have different laws regarding driving. Um, For instance, did you know that some states have laws that if you get in an accident, you need to pull over to safety so that other people can keep driving? And other states have laws that say if you get in an accident, you need to leave your car right there. Don't move in a second because the police need to come and determine whose fault it was. And if you move your car even 10 feet, it will immediately become a no-fault wreck and your insurance will have to cover it, right? So different states have different laws. But also different states sometimes have the same laws, right? The state, the, 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 speed, the, the speed limit on the highway in South Carolina is 70 miles an hour. And the speed limit on the highway in North Carolina is 70 miles an hour. Now, if I'm driving 85, because I'm driving to South Carolina, from South Carolina to Ohio, I'm driving 85, and I cross over the state line into North Carolina, and all of a sudden I see a police officer, he stopped, he's waiting for me, he pulls me over, he says, John, do you know why I pulled you over? I say, yes, sir, I was speeding. 
And I say, I yeah, I'm from South Carolina. The speed limit's 70 there. I know I know I was speeding. That's that's why you got me. He's gonna say, I don't care what it was in South Carolina. I'm pulling you over because here in North Carolina you broke the law. And sure, there may be some overlap because 70 is a pretty good speed limit for all of us to drive. But I'm not pulling you over because something you did was illegal in South Carolina. You're in North Carolina now. I'm pulling you over because of that. So I believe that the New Testament law of Christ, while we see a lot of overlap, I actually don't believe that most of the, the, that any of the Old Testament law is still binding on us as Christians because I am not a Jewish person living in Israel under King David. I have a completely new law, which again, looks very similar in a lot of ways because God does not change. But I'm not bound to hold any of the Mosaic law. And I would say this to me includes the Ten Commandments because even though we often split them up um, from a from a simplicity understanding and teaching, I don't see um, in Scripture the Old Testament Jews or the New Testament writers separating out or saying that the Ten Commandments were any more special than the rest of the Mosaic Law. If, if you broke one part of, of the Ten Commandments or the Civil Law or the Ceremonial Law, you were guilty of breaking all of it. That's what I, that's what I did. So uh, if I understand you right, um, you're saying that there is a law of Christ and there is a law of God for the Old Testament. So I would say God's nature is moral and just. Okay. And his will for his people to obey him and live up to that standard was manifested in two different ways. In the Old Testament, it was manifested to this specific people group through the Mosaic Law. And then in the New Testament after Christ, it has been manifested to everybody in what we can call the law of Christ. That's how I would would put that. Okay, so um, a couple things uh, that I would say... Does, does the law of Christ, does it come in black and white of, as to what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do? Um, uh, I would say I do believe it's clear. Um, I don't think it's, it's necessarily all presented in bullet form the way that uh, the Mosaic law was. Okay. But we see it in different places, you know, where Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit versus the lust of the flesh. Um, we see it through all of his letters to the, to the church um, with, with uh, exhortation on how they're supposed to live, how are they supposed to conduct church, how are they supposed to act as husbands, how are they supposed to act as wives, how are they supposed to care for widows and orphans, and all of these different things, uh, how are you supposed to control the tongue in the, book of, in, the, in the book of James. All of these things would be part of what I believe is the inclusive law of Christ. Are you familiar with uh, enough of the other with the Ten Commandments that you would agree that nine of them are 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 things that we should do? Um, In the law of Christ, basically. Yes, I would say I would say that the only that the only part of the mosaic of the Ten Commandments, which again I don't necessarily um, differentiate the Ten Commandments from the rest of the Mosaic Law the way that you might. But I would say that the only one of the Ten Commandments that is not reaffirmed in the New Testament is 
Fourth. Good memory, though, because I wouldn't know the other numbers as much as I mean, it's just because I focused on this one for scheduling wise. So this is from Isaiah. And the reason I'm reading from the Old Testament is just because I want to, to show, uh, you know, a belief that back then. Well, you just have to listen. Isaiah 56, six says, and the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. That would be something that you would agree to be, right? Like you're, you're one of Christ's servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So my my thought process to bring that up is even the people in the Old Testament that weren't Jewish, that were not of that heritage, if they chose to believe that there was a coming Messiah and follow the the way of the Israelite, part of that is keeping the Sabbath and not polluting it, not working. And I mean, you read Exodus, you know, to get the what they want, what what he doesn't want. Um, yeah, but I think I think I would agree with that. That in the Old Testament, if you wanted to follow Yahweh, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I love what you said at the beginning. I think there's a lot of people that actually believe that Old Testament Jews had a works-based salvation, whereas we in the New Testament have a faith-based salvation. And I totally agree with you. Old Testament Jews were not saved by works. Old Testament Jews were saved through faith in a coming Messiah. They were saved through faith in Christ, just like you and I are saved. Right. Right? Abraham. Abraham was before... There were Jews, and it says, for his faith, you know, and... uh, Faith was counted to him as righteousness. Faith was counted to him as righteousness, but also um, because he kept his laws, statutes, and judgments. So before there was a commandment at Mount Sinai, what I also believe, I can't prove it in Scripture black and white, but my argument would be when God communicated with Adam and Eve, he told them. I mean, when you look, the sacrificial system was not started at Mount Sinai. Do you believe it was it was in in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that makes the most. Because sense. he puts the skins on them, so that means the animals had to die. He showed them how to be, how to live. He showed them from the Mount Sinai um, uh, law, if you will, that people associate with that. He showed it back to Adam and Eve. But those folks were so much more smart than we were. They could pass things down. I mean, they were nine hundred. They lived nine hundred years. They could pass things down verbally and not forget. For sure. Whereas now we had to start writing things down so that we could pass that on generationally. So, um, I believe that that's also a really big part. Is before there was ever a Jew, there was that ceremonial of what it was supposed to be. Sure. We just yeah. see it at that time, it being put together in a in a written down format that we could actually see. Correct. Yeah. So there's there's a couple different things at play here again. So we have the we have the, the big picture a big picture conversation, which is um, trying to differentiate that trying to understand how God spoke to different groups of people at different times in different ways. Right. So. How Adam and Eve understood God versus how 
Abraham understood God versus how Moses understood God versus how New Testament believers understand God, right? And we have different systems that are that are kind of put into place to help understand this, right? We have some people that believe in something called covenant theology. We have other people that are are dispensationalists. The idea that um, you know each of them is going to teach how God speaks differently to different people in different times, right? And so you're. That's part of the, the discussion here. Well, is what does the Old Testament law mean for New Testament believers today? But there's a second thing that you're talking about, um, which is which which plays into this is the foundational understanding of the Sabbath day because of the order of creation. And it seems like you're arguing that because of this foundational order, that carries through all of those. Covenants if you're a covenant theologian or dispensations if you're a dispensation. Oh, certainly. Certainly, because again, I would just go back to it was created before there was sin. And and if you read uh, it, Jesus, you know, when he was condemned for breaking off the wheat and, you know, as they were walking through, they condemned him. And he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that's a weird way to spell Jew, M-A-N. Uh, but... But he even said, I created this day and set it apart for you to rest. You know, just briefly, you look at why do we have a month? Takes the month or the moon to go around the, the earth. Why do we have a year world around the sun? Why do we have a week? There's no reason that we should have a week unless we go back to a creationalist belief. They've tried to do 10 day weeks. It doesn't work. We have seven days because God made the world in seven days and he made the last day special and he set it apart for holy use. And my argument is that he did that before uh, in creation. In Isaiah 66, 23, it says, and, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And my point is, it says it before creation. We know that we as Christians get when we get to come back with Christ, he makes the world anew. So we will be here on earth and we will serve him in eternity. One Sabbath to the next. If you read the whole passage, it's talking about eternity. It's not before. So you've got it in before sin. You've got all the Israelites. You've got Jesus keeping the Sabbath, even to his death. You know, he never preached against the Sabbath. And he had all of that time. There were other things that he implemented. He never once said, change it. He even preached that in 70 AD, you know, when Jerusalem was destroyed, he said, pray that your flight not be on uh, in the winter or on the Sabbath. So he knew 70 years after his death, they were going to still be keeping the Sabbath. If you read about the the, the times that they uh, they were preparing the body, they said as the, the Sabbath dawn, you know, they stopped because it was dawning and they, they weren't supposed to work. And Jesus rested as he told us to rest. He rested in the tomb and he rose the first day, but he never once said to do anything to commemorate that day. And, and if you go to what a, a covenant or a, um, any kind of a, like a, a will, okay, a will is set in stone. Once you die, you can't add anything to it, right? That's that's because you die that you can't add something to it. That's why people put a will together before they die and whatever they can change it as much as they want until they die. And then it's and then it's sealed. That's why we see the, the communion service. He did that 
before he died. He said, this cup in remembrance of me, he said, take eat. This is my body. He did that before he did the baptism. We don't really see that in the, in the old Testament other than the hand washing of the labor, but he did the baptism before. Cause we are supposed to do that, but there was nothing new given after he died. He couldn't, he couldn't give anything else. He was, he died. He, he shed his blood. That was the end. So he couldn't add anything to it. He couldn't change. And that would have been when he did it. He would have changed this, the solemnity of Saturday to Sunday. So do you think then that the apostles in the New Testament that chose to worship on Sunday were wrong for doing so? The issue is it's not, it's not found. There's only eight mentions of the first day of the week. Eight total in the New Testament. And not one of them changes Saturday to Sunday. One of the ones you'll look at, you'll see it says they, they met in a room. But if you just keep reading, it says for fear of the Jews. They weren't, they weren't meeting uh, you know, for, for a service. They were meeting because they were afraid. And then like four of them are Mary and, and Martha went to the tomb on the first day of the week. Like it was always the first day of the week was, was when they were visiting the tomb. And then there's one other, uh, well, no, there's two other that are really kind of difficult to understand for most folks. That was the when uh, Paul preached through the night and he left the first day and he said, keep your tithes, you know, next to you in, in store. So when I come by for the collection of for Jerusalem, you'll have them ready. People say that's a church service. But when you really do the study, all it's saying is set aside by your house. By, it says set aside by yourself. And, and so he's not saying uh, bring it to church. He's saying, hey, don't I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm going to be coming by and have it set by yourself. It, it, it's a commandment of God. It's huge. It's it's all throughout. Like you said, I was giving you tons of verses of through. So you can't take one verse that that says first day of the week and just assume that means that he's changed it because that's not. And then the second thing that's um, uh, that, that was difficult was um, uh, what was it? Oh, I, I mentioned both of them. The one where the guy falls and, and dies. And so he. That was a, a preaching when it went through the Sunday, but it was at the nighttime because it was evening to morning in Jewish times. If you remember in the Bible, it's evening to morning. So evening was the first part and then, uh, or yeah, evening was the first part of the day. Um, morning was the second part, whereas we do it back the other way. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, that's very, that's very interesting. I would say a couple things. First of all, you, you, you mentioned that, um, Nobody ever said the Sabbath day has now changed or has become. Not in scripture. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, Because Sunday, the Lord's day, is not a Sabbath day for me. Um, The Sabbath day and the rest of the Mosaic law was fulfilled. We no longer have to, we don't have, we no longer have to, I would say, uh, obey any of the Mosaic law. What we do, to, what we did decide to do, though, and while there's while while there may only be eight verses in the New Testament that specifically mention Sunday, um, we do see them worshiping on Sunday. We see that Jesus rose on Sunday. If you look at the Didache, which was the early teaching for the early church, they mentioned that they worship on Sunday. If you look at um, every single early church father, Barnabas, Ignatius, and Antioch. Justin Martyr, they're all explaining, we worship on Sunday, and here's why. And none of them ever says it's a new Sabbath day. 
Like there are a lot of there are a lot of Christians today that worship on Sunday and try to place the marks or the the qualities of the Sabbath day on top of it. Um, and this doesn't really make sense to me because we're not actually called to do this, right? Honestly, I, I think the only two views on this that can be consistent are to either hold your view, which says the Sabbath day was always intended to be eternal, so therefore I'm going to continue worshiping on, on Saturday, on the Sabbath, just like they did in the Old Testament, and that means I'm, I'm resting. I'm not doing any work. I'm not doing any of this, right? Or the other view I believe that is consistent is, no, no, no. We no longer have to follow the Sabbath day. This is what Paul said when he says um, that that days don't matter anymore, right? Um, we no longer have to keep the Sabbath. Now we worship on Sunday. And if you actually look at the, the, the early church, many of these people were Jews. They had been Jews before they became Christians. So what they did was they worked six days a week. And they had a Sabbath because they're still in Israel where everyone else is keeping the Sabbath. And so these early church believers would work on Sunday. And then at Sunday evening, they would get together with other believers and worship God and have the Lord's Supper and pray together. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. That's what they were doing on Sunday evenings after they had worked a full day of work. Sunday does not need to be a Sabbath, I don't believe, meaning a day of rest for New Testament Christians. So that's 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 what I would um, I, I would agree with you that no point in Scripture do we see a the the, the New Testament church um, certainly not Jesus but also not Peter Paul James the the heads of the the, the, the leaders of the early church nowhere does do any of them say hey we're keeping the Sabbath but moving it to Sunday that doesn't occur that's not something that ever happened what they do do though is they worship on Sunday because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. That's when they do the Lord's Supper. That's when they meet for prayer, for doctrine, for fellowship. So, so my, um, uh, my response to that would be that you, you mentioned that the breaking of bread. So the issue with that is that if you read later in um, Scripture, it says that they, they met and broke bread daily. Like, that's just what they they lived. So you can't take the first day of saying that that is, uh, okay, Acts 2.26, daily with one accord, they broke bread. So you can't, Acts 27 says they break bread. That's not a communion service. Because then it says, Acts 2.46, that daily with one accord, they broke bread. So they were, like you said, working. And the Romans hated the Christians because that was right. You, you could be anything you wanted in Rome. You could be anything. But as long as you admitted that Caesar was a god and offered just a pinch of incense. Sure. That, and, and so if you're an atheist or whatever, you were fine doing that because you didn't care. And, and then if the other shoe is you loved the Caesar and you loved whatever he did. So you would offer the. But the Christians were different. They were the only ones that said, no, we're not going to do it. Now the Jews also got one got an exemption as well, but but that was they worked another uh, another deal with them if you would. But 
my guess would be something like the the unions do today. You know, they work side deals and they get they get but but the Romans hated the Christians for that one simple fact is that they would not admit. And my here here's here's a, an argument that I would say to you. You would obviously say getting pulled over by that cop and he says let's say he gives you grace right giving you or wait mercy gives you mercy not giving you something that you deserve he shows me grace by giving me mercy yeah okay and as soon as he lets you go you go back up to 85 miles and you peel out and you say hey I'm not under the law. You just gave me grace. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not how it works. And so my my rebuttal to that would, would say, yes, Christ came and fulfilled it. But he fulfilled it in that he lived the perfect life the way that we were supposed to that um, we could not do anymore. Would that, would that be... Um, uh, would that be accurate? Would you would you see that that uh, Christ fulfilling does not mean um, that he did away with? And it also, he, I mean, he says that he says, um, "I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, you know, but I came to fulfill them. I came because I had to live the perfect life so that I could die on the cross to be the perfect sacrifice, so that you could work to this. You have to still believe in Christ." But faith without works is dead. And the works is doing the things you said about with with uh, the poor and and the um, uh, the people that widows. But it's also loving the Lord your God with all your heart. It, you know, he says, you know, the guy's trying to trip him up. He said, which is the greatest commandment, God? And he's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. But that's not all. He says, on these two hang the rest. And so my argument is the first uh, the first commandments are how to how to worship the Lord, how to how to be a good uh, follower of Christ. But the but the last six, the second half is how to be a good neighbor, how to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't covet what he has. You don't cheat on his you know, you don't steal. You don't lie. That's how you have this relationship. The first ones are how you have this relationship. And I want to read John 14, 15. Okay, so so I did do a lot of Old Testament. That was on purpose. There's plenty in the New Testament too. If you take out, if you take out the Sabbath, because that isn't binding anymore, then this verse means nothing. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's Jesus saying that. And so how can you how can you love him if you're supposed to keep the commandments? But we don't have to anymore because of whatever, like because then then that verse means absolutely nothing. Right. So I the term what do what do we mean by the term fulfill is a question that lots of theologians have argued about for a long time. Right. Um, I think what I would say is that I agree with what you said in terms of what did Christ mean when he meant when he fulfilled the law. Uh-huh. Um, it means that he fulfilled under the prophecies that were about him. Yes. Um, he established the word of God. He embodied it. 
he fully he fully accomplished it, right? Romans ten says that Christ is the culmination of the law, right? Okay. So I agree that um, some people, you know, I mean, the, Fer- the Pharisees argued, "What are you trying to do? Abolish the law?" No, Christ said he came to fulfill it. Right. But just because he didn't abolish it does not mean that it is necessarily still binding on us. This is where I believe Paul is pretty clear. If you look through the book of, of Galatians, right? Uh, Galatians, the end of Galatians 3. Paul says this. He says, uh, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Wait, but, wait, let me just pause there, though, so we can kind of be on there. Before faith came. But you and I agree that you had to have faith in the Old Testament. So it, it, it doesn't mean just faith in Jesus, because that's that would then negate what we just discussed, that we both agree that in the Old Testament, they still had faith. So he's not talking. It, it's, you, you can't. Paul is extremely difficult to understand. No, no, no. So, so let me go back one verse. Though. Okay. Because faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ. Some of the Old Testament believers did not know about. They did not know who he was. Right? Verse 22. No, you can't say that. You can't say that because they had faith in a being. We Okay, we wouldn't. They didn't call him Jesus. They didn't call him Jesus. They definitely believed that a Messiah would come. Exactly. They did not know who it was. They did not know what he was like. They actually had a different conception of what he was going to do. They thought he was going to come and overthrow Rome, and he did not do that. That's true. That's true. What we see when the Old Testament laws and days and seasons were a shadow of things to come. Right. Now we see it clearly because we actually saw Jesus, right? So that's what verse 22 says. Okay. Um, the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ, by faith of Jesus Christ, might be given to them that believe. So he's not arguing here that faith didn't exist in the Old Testament. He's, 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 he's pointing out that it is now different because we have the life of Jesus Christ to actually look at as a model. So that's perfect. That's perfect. So we're supposed to look at Christ's life as a model. He, he fulfilled, and I've got this in my screen. I actually wasn't planning on that. He fulfilled that. He, he did all of that as a model that we are to aspire to do. And that is part of the work. Because if, if you go back to Psalms and you, and you read, thy law is, is in my heart and I meditate on it daily. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's, that's, we don't know sin except for the law. That's the sin law. That's, that is what Paul is talking about. So if we keep this in our mind every single day that, that we want to do something for the neighbor and, and not cheat them. I mean, you do it every day in your job. We talk about it. You do it because you're a Christian. You're not going to cheat that person. Not because of the U.S. government tells you you can't do this. It's because it's in your heart that says, I'm going to treat you as my sister or as my mom and I'm going to treat, I'm going to, that's why you do it. And that is the work of getting saved. It's, it's not, you don't do it to be saved. You do it because you are saved. Correct. I, I agree with that. Um, but this is what Paul says. <laughs> We're kept under the law, but after the faith has come, we are no longer under the, under a schoolmaster. If you go to the end of Galatians... Wait, uh, what is the... Hang on. What, what verse are you in? 
Yeah, so that was Galatians 3, 22 through 25. Okay, just a second. He's talking, he's talking through this. Um, and he, he concludes in Galatians 6 that we are no longer under the Mosaic Law, but verse 2, bearing one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And there's a very clear comparison and contrast between the law of Moses to the new law of Christ in all of Paul's writings. And so Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but that doesn't mean that you and I still have to obey it. It's no longer, uh, it, it is no longer binding on us the way it was to people before Jesus came. And I think you would agree with this if I'm talking about ceremonial law and civic law, your difference is, no, okay, he, he would say the ceremonial Jewish law and the civic Jewish law is no longer binding on us, but the Ten Commandments is. And I would simply say, I would say we actually mostly agree, I would just argue that the Ten Commandments is also in that group of Old Testament Mosaic law that is no longer binding on us as New Testament believers. So, the only one that the only one that starts with remember is the only one that you want to forget. <laughs> well, I, 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 I would say I, I would that that would go to I think what would be our second source of, of disagreement would be that we haven't really talked on it. I know we have to go soon. Actually, I'm going to go with this one as long as you want, or we can split it up. Because I seriously, like, I, I this is a topic that is, is solid for people. And you don't know this yet, but this is what will divide at the very end. When it talks about the wicked one will come and, and, and the, the Antichrist will think to change times and law. Do you think it really matters how laws get changed every day? The only law that matters is that one. The only law that God would be talking about is his law. And I have uh, verse after verse after verse from, not verse, s- statement after statement from a church that claims its authority over scripture is the fact that they changed the solemnity of Saturday to Sunday. And they claim that that's their mark of authority. What's their mark of authority? The fact that they are over the Bible and that Sunday is is their mark of authority of that. And they they claim that that's why the Protestant uh, the, the Protestant uh, uh, views failed because all of the things that Martin Luther and them were disagreeing, they still kept Sunday. And they said, you still are under our our belief system that we changed. That's our authority is because we changed it. Let's revisit this next time. Okay. I think there's a good pause. Okay. Sounds good. John, thanks, buddy. Talk to you later.